welcome in to Brewcast, and it is Ohio State Week. The game, a de facto Big Ten East Championship, it does not get better than this. This is going to be a fun one. I am Luke Giardi, and as always, I am joined by Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani. This is going to be a... Oh, just a wild show, just a great show, because it, it's the week, man. It is the game. It is Ohio State. Guys, what's going on? I know, I mean, we oh, even got a man. watch party I mean, going on. Of, Anthony, what's there's happening? There's really man? been two shows all year that we've, I mean, we've looked, I look forward to doing this show every week, but Notre Dame week was like, all right, season's here, big game, possible playoff implications on the line. And then there was going to be Ohio State week, which was, I mean, it's always the biggest week of the year, whether Michigan's, you know, six and five coming into the week or where they're at right now, 10 and one. So huge week, huge game, obviously a lot of the line. Um, If you're not going to Columbus, like I said, I I hope if you are, for the love of God, please be safe. Uh, But if you're not looking for something to do on Saturday, we are doing uh, through Maze Brew, we're doing a watch party. Like I said, if you're not going to go to the game, but still want to be part of an atmosphere and, you know, hell, maybe even a celebration, a, a, a championship game birth celebration. Uh, we've got a place just for you. Uh, we're teaming up with uh, the team over at the brand new Cirque Bar uh, in downtown Ann Arbor. It's the old, for those of have asked, yes, it's the old Circus Bar. They gutted it. They renovated it. It looks amazing in there. Stopped by last week uh, after the Indiana game. Venue's terrific. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, that's at 200, uh, 210 South 1st Street in downtown Ann Arbor. Uh, like I said, we're going to be co-hosting a watch party. Uh, we're going to do a live podcast slash pregame show at 10 a.m. We're going to have prizes there. U of M trivia. Like I said, the pregame show. Live analysis. Uh, definitely going to do something at halftime, maybe during commercial breaks here and there, but uh, really just want the focus to be on the game. Uh, they're going to have Miller Lite pitcher specials until 4 p.m. Happy hour until 6 p.m which includes 20% off most of their items, including including the drafts. Food specials, we'll have our Maize and Brew t-shirts on sale. A lot of stuff going on. It's going to be a hell of a time, so hope you'll join us out at the Cirque Bar in downtown, downtown Ann Arbor, uh, 210 South State Street, or South 1st Street, I'm sorry. 210 South 1st Street, downtown Ann Arbor, Cirque Bar. Hope you'll come out and uh, hang out with us. But other than that, uh, like I said, hope to see you guys on Saturday. You don't need to RSVP or anything. Show up, be entertained. Uh, get a few uh drinks you're, you're gonna drink no matter what whether it's they're sad drinks or happy drinks remains to be seen i hope they're happy drinks uh but like i said it's gonna be a good time but uh yeah it's great to be here great to be back with you guys uh delayed a little bit because of some we'll just say technical difficulties here at hq but uh we're back we're back and uh we're gonna got a lot to talk <laughs> about just probably need to jump right into it but uh first we'll bring in our friend chris as well hey what's up guys um these are uh, these are stressful times. I, I mean, this is uh, it's a week you look forward to. Uh, and I mean, well, I'll just speak for me personally. It's a week I look forward to, and it's a week I dread at the same time. Um, there's a very few sporting events that affect you the way that Michigan and Ohio State does. Um, the build-up to it every year, the aftermath of it every year, um, and it, it, it's this game, not to go too far ahead, but will define what the topic of our conversations are going to be 
often for the next year plus. Um, it's just one of those weeks, and um, you know we we were still we're gonna recap Indiana and everything, but uh, the main focus I think uh, we can all agree is that uh, this is the 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 week of the game, and it's the game the way the game should be. Um, tons on the line. You have uh, obviously a berth in the Big Ten championship on the line, potential berth in the playoff. Um, this is uh, w- w- say what you will about Michigan's success in this uh, game over the last decade plus. There hasn't been a ton, but uh, in the Harbaugh era, you can't deny that um, they've they've brought back a a um, an edge. And even a, a, um, a relevancy to this rivalry that was missing a little bit under the Hoke era, where it was still an event, but there wasn't a ton to play for. There is uh, everything on the line this Saturday. Yeah, it was one of those things where, and we'll get more into the game and the rivalry here in a little bit, but you always hear the people say, and I hate this take, it's one of my least favorite takes, it's like, oh, well, no matter how bad of a season you have, as long as you beat Ohio State, it's a good year. That's what a lot of those Rich Rod and Brady Hoke era uh, Ohio State games were. It was like, God, this year has been terrible to watch, but please just find a way to get a win. And they did in 2011, but uh, haven't since then. And it's, uh, like I said, I I think you bring up an amazing point where you say this this is not only a crossroads game for them, it's kind of a crossroads podcast for us because, like, we don't, like like you said, it's going to determine – how we talk about this program over the next calendar year or so um, could be happy things could be bad things. Uh, like I said, it's, there's a lot to go over, a lot to talk about, but I've got a few items on the agenda to, uh, to hit here first. Yes, we do. So we're going to talk a whole lot about Ohio state. We're going to recap the Indiana game, obviously, but first we do got to talk about this because we teased it a little bit last week, but Michigan is also, playing in another sport and they're playing pretty well also got pretty good defense Michigan basketball off to a 5-0 start they went on the road to then number eight Villanova went into Pauley Pavilion and spanked the Wildcats they were 44-17 at halftime just a huge victory for this basketball team and we want to touch on it quickly before you know we, we might forget by the time we get to end of this podcast so we want to touch on it right now but Guys, this defense, uh, this team is playing defense at an elite, elite level, maybe yeah, even better the than they were is, towards uh, the end of last season. As impre- like, I don't want to take any credit away from what they've done so far this year. They've And four of their five games, they've held opponents to under 50 points, which is incredible. I mean, I don't care if you're playing Holy Cross or, you know, Sister Jean's team or uh, Villanova. It doesn't matter. Uh, I think, and I kind of had this feeling, like, at some point in that Villanova game, that's clearly not the Villanova team uh, that we saw last year. And really, I don't think they're nearly as good as they were rated coming into this year. No. But you go to you go on the road, um, rowdy atmosphere, game that, I mean, forget that they blew them out. Nobody expected them to win close. Nobody expected them to even lose close. A lot of people thought, oh, well, you know, you look at those first two games, didn't really do a whole lot offensively. God, this could be one of those, like, early season – laughers where we turn the game off in the second half and and 
to be like, that's what ended up happening. But the shoe was on the other foot. They choked him out. I mean, they're getting great play out of uh, Brezdakis. Jordan Poole had a breakout game over the weekend after a rough couple games to start the year. Uh, right now where things stand, I mean, this is a, a team that I don't know what the ceiling is for them. Cause I think they're like, I don't know how much better they can get than what they're playing right now. But if they continue to play the way that they are right now, yeah, they're absolutely one of the teams to beat in the Big Ten. Um, I don't know if, you know, I think if if there's a takeaway, if you're asking me what I've learned that maybe I wasn't sure of, I think it's that they're more they're a little more ready to win than I thought they were uh, with how young they are and uh, how many guys are still kind of finding themselves. Yeah, I. I it's scary how good they look so far this season. Yeah, I mean it, it is it's scary. Um Villanova obviously, you know, Villanova I don't even it doesn't even look like they're that good. I mean, they just lost to Furman, but um nobody goes to Villanova and wins by 25. Um which is what I said after the game. And, and this team um you brought you brought up that point Anthony of you know you don't know how much better they can get than how they're playing right now. Uh, that's to be determined, but for the time being, they are playing better um, th- than I definitely than I expected them to be playing this early in the season. Um, I think one guy that is kind of going a, a little bit under the radar um, because of how good Brad Zingas has been and how good uh, Matthews has been is um, John Teske. John Teske looks awesome. And, uh, I, I think this is a, this is a deep team, you know, one of Beeline's deeper teams, and uh, watching them on defense is just unreal. Um, obviously, they're going to fly below the radar um, with what the uh, with what the football team's up to, but um, man, oh man, I mean, as good a start as you could possibly ask for from Beeline's crew. Yeah, I mean, we have. Michigan athletics right now between men's basketball and, and football, Luke Yaklich and Don Brown right coordinate I mean, the defenses. I think they're going to be just fine. Stuff. I mean, okay, gun to your head, uh, and we don't advocate gun violence on this show, but gun to your head, who you, you need, you need someone to get a stop in a big game. Forget the sport, throw the sports out. You got more faith in Don Brown's defense or uh, Coach Yaklich's defense? Oof, that's I, – I, I got to go with Don Brown, man. He's uh, – I have to because that guy is an absolute mastermind, and so is Yaklich, and, and I hate to do it, but Don Brown – See, I, I'm, I'm going I, I got to go. I got to ride with Donnie. Um, but what about that, you, Chris? that answer could change after this Saturday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I would go I would go with him too, uh, Chris. <laughs> I, I think that – because they've done it in big games. Like they've done it, you know, in the Big Ten tournament obviously in most of the NCAA tournament last year uh, we've seen Dom like I hate like this is just a stupid debate to even be have because I'm creating a debate that doesn't exist and isn't logical but uh, it's just one of those like it's one of those like bar um, yeah. you know, sitting at the bar <laughs> type debates uh, I would go with him just because um, you know Dom Brown's defenses have cracked a little bit at times in big games but uh, I mean it's uh, you're choosing 
Well, well. To be to be fair, guys, Dante Divincenzo put up like yeah, thirty-five I mean, just, on Michigan's defense I mean, we're last year in the Sam title game. Stake here, honestly. I mean, it's it's all good to me. So, um, very very fortunate right now that uh, you know, no matter what you think the offensive limitations of either the football team or the basketball team are, if you play good defense, like the cliche is that defense travels. Like if you bring a good defense, you're in every game that you play. So. Um, it's awesome to see that uh, that those two squads uh, bring that to the table. So, as we go through Michigan season, we're, we're going to keep an eye on on the basketball team, obviously. But they got Chattanooga coming up on Friday. Then they take on number seven UNC in the uh, the Big Ten ACC Challenge, and then they already December first. How how crazy could this be, guys? If Michigan wins on Saturday. You're going to have um, Michigan basketball in their conference opener against number 24, Purdue, and then you're going to have Michigan Northwestern in Indy. I think they play that game at 730 for, for the sure. Big Ten football title game. That'd be a fun, that'd be a fun, like, I, mean, I don't know, uh, eight hours you'd have that's there. That's the idea, right? <laughs> like, let's, like, let's, let's get there and have that be a problem. Like, um, I mean, we've got, we'll have basketball credentials, obviously, and if Michigan's in Indy, we'll we will be there in some capacity. So it's like now now we're playing the game of we got a couple games to cover live, a couple games that matter, big games. Like it's not like Michigan's playing uh, Coppin State or, or something like that. Like these are big games for both these teams. Uh, assuming that Michigan takes care of business Saturday, and uh, God, like just just set that up. Like that would be that'd be awesome. Be I mean best week huh. best type of weekend best michigan sports u of m sports weekend since or week since what final four and frozen four uh yeah let's get let's yeah, it was get pretty good i'll be honest that was, that's not too bad I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a huge hockey guy per se, so I, I'd prefer, you know, uh, Final Four in the college football playoff and Final Four in men's basketball. But to, to each their own, maybe all three. Why not hit the trifecta here this year? So basketball, we, we talked about it, had to talk about it because of the big win against Villanova. But five games into the season, gotta put them on the back burner because we're already down to the final week in the regular season, which is, which is hard to believe in college football. You know, you wait so long for it. And, and I don't know what it is, why it seems to go f- so fast, maybe because it's just one game a week. Maybe it's because you wait all the summer months, uh, unless you're Chris, who watches, hundred I, I don't know, 300 baseball games during the summer. You know, the summer goes by a little uh, faster for him than it does for a lot of people. But uh, it, it's here and then it's gone. We're into the last week, but I want to go back to, to the Indiana game real quick. Where, where Michigan, you know, I, I voice my concerns. In last last week's show uh, about this game, I thought Michigan was going to make a sweat it out. I thought Indiana was going to make a sweat it out, and they did. It was a close game all throughout. Michigan was settling for field goals, got into the red zone, put up huge numbers on offense, uh, but Michigan found a guy in Jake Moody who you can rely on to make kicks, hopefully. So that was uh, nice to see, but uh, I, mean, I want to know your guys' takeaways. Chris, I'll start with Basically, you. Basically, everything you said last week, was on point about this was the sweat the sweated out game that we hadn't really had this year. Um, I'm gonna be honest because I was I, I was very confident when we talked on last week's podcast uh, that they were gonna roll. But as the game uh, as kickoff approached, and as Ohio State was struggling 
against uh, Maryland, I was getting this sinking feeling, this this I feeling that they they might lose this game. I legitimately, when it was halftime, I legitimately thought there's there's a chance they're going to lose this thing. Um, they bounced back in the second half. Um, th- th- I don't think they played particularly well. Um, we'll get into the problems, but you know, you bring up the kicking game. That's all fine. You know, six for six. Great job by Jake Moody. Uh, you know, uh, on that last kick, an incredible job by the holder making, uh, you know, on what was a bad snap, but, um, you know, put the ball in the fucking end zone, please. Like, I mean, I think when we talk, voice our concerns about what, uh, the issues are going to be with this week's game. They got to put the ball in the end zone. And, and it, that, that makes me nervous. Um, for some reason for two thirds of the game, the middle of the field was wide open for Indiana. Um, and uh, what's, what's his name? Peyton Ramsey um, is a, uh, is nothing when compared to uh, Dwayne Haskins. So, um, I'm I'm much more nervous now than I was a week ago or two weeks ago. I, I don't I, this might be a bit of of overkill, but I, I think Michigan got a, a little bit exposed on Saturday. not not to say that they aren't as good as we think they are. they're 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 very good, but uh, I uh, it, it's been so long since the Notre Dame game, and we've brought up in the past about how that felt like the 14th game of last season. That I, I, I was I'd gotten this feeling that the defense was invincible, and we saw on Saturday, not always, not always, and that worries me a bit for what's uh, what what's to come. Yeah. The thing with Saturday is that first, first and foremost, like I'm an idiot. Like how could, like, I feel like I was pretty confident going to that game too. I, you know, kind of puffed my chest out a little bit and, and in our round table was like, Oh, this game is going to be, be a blowout and, you know, wait for the bottom to fall out for Indiana. So you can take your wife out to dinner because you're going to be a miserable ass like the entire week. Um, (laughs) Leave it to Michigan. And, and for as well as they've played this year, and I'm not going to really dog them for this because I think it's human emotion for them to to know that, yeah, you're playing a team that's not all that good. Um, decent, but not all that good. And you just got to get through that game to get to this week. Uh, but, like, I think they got caught looking ahead a little bit. It's kind of like to me, you know, they say that they were ready and they were prepared and, and they didn't overlook them and things like that. Uh, I, I feel similar in that. So after they lost to Notre Dame, Chase Winovich said that, oh, we felt like we were prepared to play. Uh, we just didn't execute. It's like, no, I mean, when you when we know you're capable of playing better and you don't play well and you're not doing fundamental things correctly to start a game, you weren't prepared to play. I mean, it took it took a little bit of a scare. We'll call it a scare. I mean, it took a scare to kind of wake them up. Um, now, I'll say this about Indiana. 
they have lost to Michigan now. I believe the stat is 38 out of the last 39 times they've played. Haven't beat Michigan since 1986. They always find a way to play them tough. And I every year I feel like I discount that. Oh, well, it's Indiana. But, I mean, to their credit, and this is the good and the bad of what they are as a program, that is a physical football team, that is a team that, uh, you know, all things considered, if you kind of think about it, I think they're the closest thing in the Big Ten East right now, maybe Michigan State, of being a true physical match for Michigan or a team that's able to you know punch them in the mouth just because that's how they coach it. Um, so I think we saw a little bit of that as well. I think that Michigan was caught a little bit off guard. Uh, at the same time, and we'll talk about this here in a little bit, God, is Indiana football so annoying. Like that might be the most annoying like program in the Big Ten because they're never that good. But you know you've got coming up. There was that sequence at the end of the first half where the dude and and don't tell me he didn't kick the ball on purpose because he did kick the ball out of the ref's hand. The film shows it. I mean it's it's not it is what it is. Um, they get that stop seventeen fifteen. Indiana leads at the half. And I saw it like the first thing I saw up in the box, they, that entire sideline charged the field. Like they just won the big 10 title. It was halftime. Um, and I feel like they're one of those programs. that's like the fake uh, kind of like the, how do I put this? Try to be nice, but at the same time, like paint a picture. I feel like they're stereotypical, like caveman, uh, 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 football, uh, tough guy, fake tough guys type deal. You know, talking about how, oh, you know, we play, oh, we teach our kids to play to the whistle. There was some, there was some dirty shit that went on in that game. Some really dirty stuff. And I know, like, I've seen, there. there's, Michigan's done a few things here and there too. I saw the Chase Medivich video. Kind of looked like he may have stepped on a guy's ankle. Not a great look. But I've, like, I haven't seen a whole lot of that this year. I mean, you had guys, they, they called it finishing blocks but they're pushing guys while they're down on the ground. Um, you know, just just weak, fake, tough, like, oh, we may not beat you, but you're going to be sore the next day after we play you because we're tough football-playing guys. Rah, 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 rah. Dude, th- that's what, that's Indiana sports. <laughs> like, the most insufferable fan base in the Big Ten is Indiana basketball. Like, by far, is Indiana basketball. I mean, they, they are, when people talk about the, and I, I hate to bring this up, but that, when you think little brother, that's, dude, Indiana is little brother. They are a minor league sports university. They haven't won a big, they legitimately have not won a, a major big game in either of the two major sports since the fucking Knicks administration, right? <laughs> they, they, the only reason they were ever relevant in sports was because they let a maniac parade around that university for 30 years, choke players in public, throw chairs, and, and they still they, they still fight so hard to be relevant. The, the, the last coach that took them to a Final Four got fired. Tom Crean, they hated. They fired him. They had a, a, a And yeah, I know I'm talking about basketball and we're talking about football. I can't stand Indiana. I, like, legitimately, and I wanted to save this because I just thought Michigan was going to roll and Indiana wouldn't do anything stupid. 
But when when yeah when Tom Allen is parading is parading around like like, like somebody just cured cancer at, at the end of the first half, that's what minor league little brother teams do. They celebrate for thirty minutes and then they fold because they're Indiana. They're they're a candy striped minor league sports program. That's what they are. That's what they've been for thirty years, and they they're so insecure and they're. Fighting. They fight so hard just to be relevant in anything. And it's so sad every year to see them put up a little bit of a fight against Michigan or Ohio State or Penn State or Indiana and then ultimately get trounced because they have they have little talent. They're, 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 it's a farm boy university. It's nothing. It, it, and, and so it was just a nuisance. And to see, yeah, they're going out trying to injure players like that's going to do some good. Yeah, we'll play you tough. Yeah, big whoop. You're five and six. Congratulations playing in, in, in whatever it is, the taxslayer.com bowl if you beat Purdue. And that's what Indiana sports is. It's what it's been for a long time. And for some reason, I think because they have this sheen, when you think Indiana University, you think of the glory days of of. Bobby Knight and some of the and Isaiah Thomas and the great players. That's not what Indiana University is. That that was a, that was a, a fraudulent program run by a maniac. They're they're minor leaguers, dude. And that's that's what they've been for a long time. End of rant. Yeah, let me let me t- let me tell you what I equate this to. And and Luke, we'll get you back here in a second. I just need a moment here. <laughs> hey <Fuck>. hey. <laughs> Um, Hi guys. So back when I was playing little league baseball, there was a team in the league that was coached by the son of the guy who who ran the league, who was basically like the god, the don of the league, so to speak. Um, they would they would stack their teams. They would they would fix the roster so all the best kids were on there. Huh. Shockingly enough, guess what their team name was? They were the Yankees. Um, and I just remember, God, this must have been when I was eight or nine years old. Um, this team, the Yankees, would beat the holy hell out of Everyone they played the entire year. Mercy, I mean, the games would go, uh, I'm trying to remember what the mercy rule is. I think 15 after three, 10 after four was the rule or something like that. I think it's still like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, you had, I mean, their games would be over in 25 minutes because they'd they'd be up, you know, 22 to, you know, two or three after three innings of play. I think the last game of the year, my team, I forget what we were at the time. We were the Blue Jays or may have been the Cubs. I don't really remember. Um, we were the only team all year that didn't get mercyed by them. They beat us like four to one. <laughs> and our coach, we were celebrating after the game. We were celebrating, high-fiving. And it was, in retrospect, like, yeah, that must have looked so pathetic because we were rooting for, like, just not losing as badly as we were expected to. That's exactly what Indiana did does and what they did on Saturday. It's it's very it's very pathetic. Uh, that is a program that, like I said, I mean, I, I've seen the Winovich video where it looks like he steps on a guy's ankle. It doesn't look good. Uh, you know, at the same time, like I said, I it's not a good look. But it's it's like even I remember watching. What was it uh, Michigan State when they played Indiana earlier this year? It was a night game at Indiana, and there was a couple dirty plays in that game too. Uh, I think Naylor, the kid from MSU, got injured in that game. hadn't really been the same. hasn't really been the same the rest of the year. 
you know, those, those dudes are out to not, I mean, if they can't beat you, they're going to try and do something that beats you down the road. Um, but, and I'll pivot this back to, to Luke and, and back to the conversation about the game. One of the positives that I take out of struggling against Indiana is that they actually do run a very similar offense to what Ohio state runs. Now, Haskins isn't as good as a runner um, as Peyton Ramsey is, but he's a lot more pure of a passer. So I think that um, some of the problems that you saw in that first half is, yeah, those are concerning. I mean, they ran for way too many yards, um, had a couple other big plays here and there, let the quarterback run. Don Brown did a pretty nice, I mean, you give up 17 points in the first half, three in total in the second half. Don Brown was able to make adjustments for a half. Now you you go in and you play a team now in Ohio State that does a lot of similar things offensively, and now you've got a whole, not only do you have film from last week, you've got a whole week to correct some of the things that you saw on film. So I think, you know, it's one of those things where I I always hesitate to say, oh well, Michigan needed that to happen to them, but kind of feels like it could be potentially a blessing in disguise. Yeah, I mean, maybe it it lets you get a little, I don't know, a head start. But at the same time, like, that's the part that's concerning to me is the sense that Indiana does run a very similar offense uh, to Ohio State. So, in essence, uh, Michigan was, you know, I guess they get two weeks kind of to prepare for Ohio State's offense. But at the same time, like, how many – corrections can you make make for a uh, and I hate to use this but this is going to be the varsity offense whereas you were up against the JV offense this past week and you still struggled with it so that that is very concerning to me I have a ton of faith in Don Brown I have a ton of faith in this coaching staff um but to your point uh I thought that Ramsey was kind of the difference maker in running the football you know seven carries for 51 yards uh, he was the guy who was picking up third downs, and, and Dwayne Haskins is not going to do that. And it, we saw Michigan shut down an offense kind of like this in Penn State. You know, obviously McSorley wasn't 100%, whatever. I don't care. Like, Michigan dominated that football game. Like, I feel like Michigan's defense has the potential to do what they did to Penn State, but you know what sucks about this game? And I don't know, I guess I want to transition. I don't want to transition to Ohio State quite yet because I want to get Chris's thoughts on the game itself. But, man, it seems like no matter what, no matter how good a defense Michigan plays, like Ohio State does some some stupid shit where they get lucky. Like that pass that got in between two defenders in an airtight thing that Haskins threw last year when he came in for an injured JT Barrett. It was a long third yeah. down, and they were able to get it. Then they went down and scored and turned the tide of the game. Like there's yeah. uh, there's just always um, some stupid shit that happens in this game. Concerning to me because a lot of whether it's st- stupid shit or just un unlikely things that happen. I mean, look, Wilton Spate two years ago, and people forget this, was having a very good season. And yeah, you could say game manager, or whatever. One and one, he was playing well, and one of his better qualities was the fact that he hadn't turned the ball over. He They go into Columbus, they throw two pick sixes, essentially. You know, it, it, uh, other things have happened in, in other years where they go into Ohio State. The 2006, that defense in 2006 was, was loaded. They give up 42 points. Um, 
And that's the type of stuff that's... <laughs> that you I also want to say, it, though, Chris, to that, looking back, Ron English may have that's not true. been that's the true. defensive and, and coordinator that we thought 2016 he was. was still really good defensively. It was loaded, but I'm just saying when you go into Columbus especially, and <laughs> I think it's, especially in our lifetimes, we're so used to seeing things go wrong at some point. And I feel like on Saturday, this is going to sound heinous. But I think I know was, where you're going with this. I, I feel like Continue. you did too. There was a weird part of me that wanted Ohio State to beat Maryland, which obviously they did. Barely, but they did. And the reason for that was twofold. One, I felt like it was going to – if. Ohio State would have lost to Maryland. I felt like Michigan would have lost to Indiana. I just felt there's no way that it's going to be this easy to get to Indy. And that kind of goes along with with the main reason, and that was I want Michigan to earn it. I don't want there to be any doubt at all. I want them to go into Columbus, win the fucking game, go undefeated in conference play, and leave no doubt not have the caveat of they fell into Indy or they got lucky and got into Indy. The way it's set up currently with this game meaning as much as it does with having as much on the line as it does is what I wanted. And if they and if they lose it'll be heartbreaking. It'll be the worst thing ever. But I I would rather have it be in this situation and I really do mean this. A lot of people probably won't believe me. I really do mean this. I want to, when Michigan gets to Indy under Harbaugh for the first time, whether it's this Saturday or next year, who, whenever, I want it to be because they beat Ohio State. Fair enough. Fair enough. I I don't mind that mentality at all. I was of the uh, the opposite thinking, like, like I get it, but I also – I. I've yeah. been heartbroken too many times by sports, man. You know what I'm saying? Like at, at some point I, I want a Saturday like this Saturday was, was going to be gut wrenching no matter what. But if they were to lose this game and you don't go to Indy, you let that evil son of a bitch urban Meyer go to Indy after everything that happened in the off season leading up to this season. Like it, it it's going to drive me to insanity damn here you know so i was just like i just want to know that we're going andy but i i completely understand where you're coming from chris and we're gonna find out but man how much sweeter is it gonna be if michigan is able to to go into cbus and, and get a victory before we move on to previewing this game any final yeah, thoughts on the um, indiana game from either of you two the offense has to be better we haven't talked about that um you know again it was one of those things where we talked about this before we're able to move the ball pretty well within the the you know, between the twenties, but then when you've get got down, you got down there. Now, listen, it's great that they found a kicker that can hit all six of his field goal attempts. Mind you, all six of them were gimmies, but Quinn Nordeen wasn't making the gimmies. So that's a positive, right? I, that that's cool. I hope that the game doesn't come down to that because you're talking now about a, a game coming down to kicks in Columbus with a freshman, a true freshman. <sighs> that is absolutely terrifying. So, 
I think one of the biggest things is, you know, I just feel like the play calling is a little wonky down there. And even the time management at the end of the half um, was weird on Michigan's part in that first half. Um, You've got to find a way to turn three into seven. Now you got to cash in on points. Like you have to score down there regardless, but six field goals, all of which were pretty, you know, pretty close to, you know, touchdown to being touchdowns on that drive. It can't happen. Like I'm cool with three field goals. Hell in a certain scenario, I'm cool with like four field goals, but if we're talking six field goals, if you just score touchdowns on half of them, that's another 16 points or, uh, you know, I'm not doing the math right here. Another 12 points, whatever. (laughs) Um, you know, just say you score four touchdowns instead of settling for four field goals of your six tries. You got to be able to cash in on that. Um, and I, I think that that's the biggest concern to me. I also feel like I hate this take too. I hate that it's about to even come out of my mouth. I definitely feel like that was a vanilla offense last week, as if to say, you know, not going to give anything away. Don't think we're going to be, perhaps it's hubris on their part. Don't think it could be hubris on my part for even saying it, thinking it. I don't think this team has a, a legitimate chance to beat us. I think if we just play within ourselves, eventually th- these games will go like they have all year. We're, we'll we'll pull away in the end. And they did, and they deserve credit for that. Um, but I don't think anyone really expected an eight-point game in the fourth quarter. Um so that, that would be my biggest concern. I mean, overall, I expect that the defense will maybe not completely tighten things up to the point where you go down there and beat Columbus around or beat Ohio State around in Columbus like you did against Michigan State. But, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna be surprised if the defense isn't perfect, but it's gotta be a little bit better. Um, you know, I think that a lot of the standards that we, we're holding this defense to right now is that they're one of the better defenses. They're one of the best defenses college in college football. Maybe the best defense in college football. Um, if you don't have Chase Winovich, that's going to hurt. But at the same time, and I wrote about this earlier this week, you know, you, you may not have Chase Winovich. They don't. They're not going to have Nick Bosa. Haven't had Nick Bosa all year. Okay, True. guy for a guy. Game on. Like it is what it is at this point. So, um, those would be my biggest concerns. I mean, the injuries. That that game extracted a pretty heavy toll uh, for it being the ge- the week before Ohio State and a game against Indiana, which some of it is just football and and other times it's like Indiana just being like super super dirty. I'll say it. I mean, it is what it is. But um, yeah, those are my biggest concerns. Um, really, just ready to jump headlong into this Ohio State preview here. Uh, I mean. Chris, any uh, final thoughts on Indiana? Right, you know, and I, I brought it up a little bit earlier. You got to put the ball in the end zone, um, and and one thing also, um, and I know True Wilson had some good carries on Saturday, but I, I want Karan Higdon touching the ball thirty to thirty-five times on Saturday. I I, I I've stuck. I've been kind of. On on the Higdon bandwagon, really since last year, I think he is the far superior running back on this team. I think in a smash mouth game, like what is expected against Ohio State, he's the guy you have to go to. I think the last couple weeks we've been seeing a, a bit 
And understandably so, it's Rutgers and Indiana, but we've been seeing a lot more of uh, Wilson and especially of Evans. Um, this is what you play for. Higdon's got to be the guy, whether it be uh, on, on your own 20 or the other team's 20. Um, I think he he fits every scenario. He's got the speed. He's got the power. The guys have a, an incredible season. He's got over a thousand yards. I think um, it, he's gonna need. He could be potentially him and Shea the difference makers on Saturday. All right, so let's move on to this Ohio State preview. Want to start with with Ohio State themselves? You know they've struggled a little bit. This season, at times, the the Maryland game comes to mind. The Purdue games comes to mind. I mean, they didn't even move the ball. They didn't move the ball in Michigan State. Struggled with Nebraska. Uh, Ohio State has really played down to inferior competition all year long. They've just they, they really haven't looked good. To be quite frank about it, they haven't looked good. They're still you know ten and one on the season. They find a way to win games. Uh, but what have you guys seen from? Ohio State this season that that you're taking into consideration when you kind of preview oh, this game. This first, Chris. Okay, well, um, I mean, the there's two things that stand out when you watch them, especially watching last week's game. Uh, on the positive end for Ohio State, they have an explosive offense. They have a great quarterback, Dwayne Haskins. Um, I'd say he picked up right where JT Barrett left off, but that would be doing him a disservice because for whatever reason, JT Barrett got progressively shittier every year he was at Ohio State. Dwayne Haskins has been awesome uh, this season. I mean, he's he's remarkable. Um, just had big play after big play against that against Maryland. Now, on the positive end for Michigan, uh, Ohio State can't seem to stop the run, <laughs> and. Um, the Maryland game was astonishing, especially the first half. Guys, guys were touching the ball and not getting touched by a defender until 20 yards down the field. Will that happen against Michigan? No, it won't. Of course not. But uh, it, it's definitely something I think Michigan's going to try to exploit, obviously. It is the reason why I think Karan Higdon should be getting 30 to 35 touches in that game because I think – uh, that is an area where, and Michigan's done it all year, where Michigan can wear Ohio State down. To me, that is the one, and it's so crazy that I'm saying that uh, we're at a point where I'm saying this. I think Michigan's O-line can legitimately wear down Ohio State's defensive line. I think that is probably the, uh, uh, the one big advantage that Michigan has offensively in this game. Um, but we know how talented Ohio State is. They're incredible at uh, the skill positions. They're fast. And you know they're good. I mean, you know, you want to hate Urban Meyer, and we do, but he's a hell of a football coach, and, and he's going to make adjustments. They're not going to uh, have anything. Their, their defense isn't going to be as bad as it was against Maryland. Uh, it won't be as bad as it was against Purdue. Michigan are we sure about have... that though? What's that? I said, are we sure about that though? Like, cause their their defense to me. I mean, I feel like the problems that they have defensively, you don't just fix in a week. I mean, there are times where you know, Shannon has kind of made adjustments for them, where 
they're playing soft soft zone coverage now because their guys just can't hold up in man. Um, you know, the, the back seven, this guy take a terrible angles. At times they look like they, they never played football before now in a vacuum. Absolutely. Um, I'm not so sure that I just feel like a lot of the problems we've seen from Ohio state are kind of what they are. Uh, and they're not necessarily um, correctable. And I, I think what we're going to see out of Ohio state in this game is that I think if they can, which they haven't been able to run the ball at all. And their offensive line hasn't been very good, but if they're able to run the ball at a clip, kind of like Indiana was able to do and keep Michigan's offense off the field, I think that's where things really, it's not even keeping Michigan's offense off the field for them. I think that the key, the biggest key for Ohio state is keeping their defense off the field. Absolutely. Uh, because their rush defense has not been great. Michigan, uh, I think they're going to do what they've done all year and they're going to pound the rock, but also at the same time and Anthony, we actually got a chance to talk about this, uh, yesterday, Anthony came on my, uh, Fox sports Marquette show and we talked about Michigan having success scripting early on in these games against Ohio state and, and the way that they kind of game plan all year, you know, in a sense for Ohio state, like they come out with these beautifully scripted plays and Michigan got a 14, nothing with John <laughs> fucking O'Corn last year up? playing quarterback, you, you know, and, and that was a pretty, it was, that was a much was better Ohio state nothing team. Last year? And I, it, yeah, 14, nothing. And then Josh Metellus dropped the interception when Ohio state was driving. Yeah. That led to a touchdown and made it 14, seven. Like, what we've always seen in these games, and and I'll, we'll get back to what we see out of OSU so far this year. What we've always seen is there's always a guy that comes out of nowhere and puts his stamp on the rivalry mm-hmm. um, out of nowhere. Like, yeah, there's a, there's stars everywhere. Dwayne Haskins, uh, you know, J.K. Dobbins, uh, you know, on the other side of the ball, Draymond Jones. You got some good players there. Last. Uh, I, I would say I would say that Sean Crable may have put his stamp on the sure. rivalry in a, <laughs> sure. in a not point. good sense. But I'm like, what won them that game last year was that a guy comes out of nowhere off the bench in Dwayne Haskins. JT Barrett gets hurt, and people are like, oh my god, like Ohio State's in trouble. Haskins comes in and looks better, and base like his play is what not only kept you know they treaded water in that game, but they you know ultimately would win it too. It's those little those little guys, the unsung heroes. You know, it, it could happen on both sides. Uh, you know, Cardell Jones, another guy. Cardell um, Jones, whose who's his impact wasn't necessarily against Michigan. It came in the Big Ten title game after that. Well, well, he came into that Michigan right, game though no, after after JT like went 20, down, forty two twenty eight or something uh, yeah. at that point. Like Ohio State had started to pull away. Um, I think it was. Oh well, I thought he. I thought he came in in a close game and kind of Michigan could stop him. I feel like it may have been like thirty-four twenty-one or something like that. Thirty-five twenty-one. It was because I think that was the last Ohio State game with Hoke, um, and they they ended up losing that. They played him close for a while. People were like super caught off guard. Yeah, and then yeah, I think Ohio State ultimately. Yeah, I was one of those people. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, we've seen it a ton of times over the years. I mean, um, Braxton Miller had a huge game against them uh, in 2011 in that shootout game. It's those those unsung heroes that, that define those games. And, and I think what caused Michigan in that game last year is that, like you said, a guy like Josh Metellus or um, you know some of these guys that drop picks and, and miss tackles or miss opportunities, drop a ball. Those are the plays that define these games. It's not how, you know, Wilton Spate came out and played or how, um, you know, how JT Barrett got injured. It, it's always those little plays. Um, so those, that's, that's something else that I'm, you know, I'm interested. I mean, I think I have, Michigan has a lot of guys that, you know, this feels like a game where a true Wilson or a Ronnie bell could have a big play that, that kind of changes everything on defense, you know, Brandon Watson has had some big plays throughout the year, but he's not a guy that people talk about as, you know, one of Michigan's four or five, maybe even six best defensive players. So this is, to me, it's always been a rivalry of unsung heroes. Um, And the thing that I guess I don't want to call it a worry, but with Ohio state, like Ohio state's not as like Michigan is the better team. And really from a football standpoint, I don't really think it's all that close, but it's those, you know, I, I think they have, they still have a lot of guys and they have a lot of talented players and, and guys that have been a little bit disappointing. And, and it wouldn't surprise me to see someone break out for them either. So that's always kind of the concern for me is who's going to be that guy that we go, God, this dude comes out of nowhere, hasn't done anything all year, but makes the play to beat Michigan or to beat. So I, and I hate to interject Anthony. I just went back and looked it up because I was curious so uh, JT Barrett got hurt on the first play of the fourth quarter. And when Cardale came in uh, with 14:45 left in the, in the fourth yeah, quarter, so they, Ohio yeah, state was, was up 28, 21. I'll concede that I was wrong, uh, but they did what they did end up winning 42, 21, right? Correct. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Cause it couldn't God, stop Cardale. Let's just not go back to that Hoke era. Um, uh, Let's especially talking about this game. Um, <laughs> let me, let's get back to what we've seen from Ohio State so far, though. Um, uh, go ahead. One one thing I also wanted to get to before we I got completely I I don't know where that came from. Uh, but one thing that I that I wanted to mention, and I, I don't know if you guys have kind of noticed this watching this team that I, I'm very very worried about um, with how good of a passer Dwayne Haskins is, is that sometimes uh, this year, and this is due to pressure that Don Brown brings in the man-to-man coverage, you know, and, and the pressure has caused some bad throws in this sense, but we've, Michigan's corners, especially the safeties, Tyree Cannell uh, comes to mind, he's been beaten deep, and uh, SMU had a big play that was overthrown, um, uh, Rutgers had a play that was overthrown down the sideline when Canell slipped. It would have been a it would have been a touchdown early in that game when Michigan was up fourteen seven. I think like Michigan has been beaten deep, but the pressure has gotten to the quarterback and the the throws have been overthrown, underthrown, anything like that. But if Michigan can't get to Dwayne Haskins and those plays are there, Dwayne Haskins is the best passer Michigan has seen this year and. Something like that worries me. The big play to really get in the heads and get the crowd into it, you know, down yeah, at Columbus. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. That is, early on in the season, 
was a bit of an issue with Michigan was their secondary giving up some big plays. Obviously, in the Notre Dame game, you brought up SMU. Um, that they've tightened the screws with that a lot, but against Indiana, they gave up quite a few. Um, and yeah, that that's a major cause for concern because uh, you know what's his face, <laughs> what's his face, Dwayne Haskins. Um, <laughs> hell of a what's his nuts? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's a, a hell of a lot better than Peyton Ramsey. And, um, yeah, there's not much else to add, but I hope, hopefully they can fix it. I, I don't know. Yeah. I have a feeling that they're, these two quarterbacks, both Haskins and Patterson are kind of going to put on a show on Saturday, which will be fun to watch. Like if you have no rooting interest in the game, but for, yeah. for both sides of the, the rivalry and, and hoping their guy pulls it out. Um, Cause there was the report over the weekend from Matt Miller that both Haskins and Shay are strongly leaning towards coming out of the NFL draft, which I think is kind of a good move, especially if this Herbert kid doesn't come out from Oregon, because then it's a wide open class from there. Um, But those two guys, I mean, there's going to be a ton of NFL scouts there on Saturday for not just the quarterbacks, but obviously a talent, talent talented rosters on both teams. But um, I have a feeling that, yeah, Michigan's defense has shown some cracks that I think that Haskins Here's the thing about Dwayne Haskins is that we're always used to these Ohio's Michigan has always had problems with the running quarterback. And what does Ohio state always have a running quarterback? Mm-hmm. Dwayne Haskins isn't really that guy. I mean, once you get him up, like he's not a guy that's super adept at making plays through the air outside of the pocket. So if you are able to get a pass rush, which again, I felt like for a lot of that Indiana game, that defensive line was kind of quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with that, I don't know if Chase is going to be out there, but I know that I don't want to say I wouldn't be concerned if he's not out there because yeah, that's a huge, you know, that's the heart and soul of your defense, not there, but you still have Rashawn Gary and you still have Joshua Uche and you still have Quiddy pay who are guys that all season long have been playing like they've been shot out of a cannon and you're putting them up against an offensive line and that the Buckeyes have that hasn't been able to stop a nosebleed all year. I mean, that's a huge advantage for Michigan. Now, the fear for me is that all of a sudden Dwayne Haskins in front of NFL scouts is is running around the field like Fran Tarkenton, getting outside the pocket and slinging the ball around. Um, that's... Or, or you know what else is scary? If if Dwayne Haskins is playing terrible or he gets knocked out of the game or something like that, Tate Martell comes in, who Michigan has a game plan for, and he starts running that read well, option the, offense to perfection, and Michigan so can't stop it. Martell, That's what keeps me up at night, that, too. So last year when Haskins had to come in, there wasn't really any film on him outside of uh, – I, I feel like he did play in some garbage time games before then. So they weren't really prepared for that. Because Haskins can't run, the last few weeks Ohio State has been bringing in Tate Martell to run the football, yeah. and he's hasn't he hasn't thrown it. So it's one of those things where that's at least on film now. Uh, they, I think they brought up that wrinkle against Michigan State, and at the time I'm like, yeah, I mean that's that's all fine and good, uh, an extra wrinkle against a good defense in Michigan State. But you just put that on tape for Don Brown like two weeks ahead of time. So like, I don't know how talented a passer Tate Martell is. But I feel like in a situation where he does come into the game, you know he's going to run because that's what they've telegraphed all year. And that 
you know, you're, you're at least somewhat, you've seen it on film. I don't know if you're going to stop it, but you've at least seen it. I know that there's, that they've seen it and they've watched it on film. So um, I feel like the, if you have to bring, like, if you have to Frankenstein your quarterback, you know, your quarterback uh, situation to where, oh, well, we've got our pure passer and we've got our guy that runs. Um, the old cliche is if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any. Well, obviously that's not true with Ohio State, but I feel like that's them telegraphing it a little bit because they, they've they had some problems there uh, for sure. But yeah, the, the I hate I hate using the cliches, but it's a game that once again, going to be won and lost in the trenches. I mean, that you, this game usually is. Well, yeah, yeah that's I mean, story of Michigan. I, I don't have much else. I, no, I don't, I don't I have wanna, much else to add. Sorry. Go ahead, Chris. Here, go ahead, but, Chris. Yeah. So pretty much uh, also we had a, a little interesting thing this week. I think this is kind of a total non-story. We had a quote-unquote guarantee yesterday uh, from Karan Higdon. He was baited. You know, by the reporter, like, like, let's be honest with ourselves, because like, what do you, what do you expect Karan Higdon to say? No, I, I don't think we're gonna beat Ohio State. Like, I hate that. You know, like, hey, do you want to guarantee a win? Like, uh, I don't know. I think it's dumb. I like the confidence, to be honest with you. What the hell? Go out there and guarantee this shit. Why not? What do you have to lose? It's not like Ohio State is going to be like, oh, it's just Michigan or something like that. You know, Ohio State doesn't feel that way. Like that whole state hates. That yeah, team crazy. up north, no matter how bad they are at putting you, X's over you M's. You don't give a damn about the whole state of yeah. Michigan, but you sing it like it's a like the, the bouncing ball, like the sing-along. But, it's, God, it's, it's very irritating. The, the guarantee is not going to provide any more bulletin material. Like, th- that's the thing about a game like this is that bulletin material isn't a thing. You just want to go out there and beat these guys because you've hated them all year, even though you have to wait till the last game of the yeah, year. Well, first of all, let me address the, the, the question and the media setting. And, and Jim Harbaugh did address it, too. He said he, he didn't like how the question was um, asked by the reporter, thought it was a little bit cheap, and I, I would agree with that. Um, it was a leading question. He asked, uh, first of all, let me just let me just get on my soapbox here real quick. Every year, this is year four of Jim Harbaugh versus Ohio State. Every year, somebody asks him about his guarantee in 1986 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And every year, Jim Harbaugh play, downplays it and says he doesn't remember what he said. He doesn't remember what he was thinking. But they ask about it every goddamn year. Now, there's not like that's the only time you're going to talk to Harbaugh all week outside of. Um, you'll hear him on his radio show and he'll do the, the teleconference on Tuesday, the next day. And you waste, you waste time to ask questions about other things because you want to write your little nostalgia piece on, Oh, you know, 30, 32 years ago, James Harbaugh, uh, was that you know, <laughs> unprovoked guaranteed to win over Ohio state. It's so corny. It's so corny. And let me just say like, Considering I am not, I'm not surprised at all that, that what went down yesterday or on Monday went down in terms of, well, Quran, you know, uh, 30 years ago, your coach guaranteed a win over Ohio state. Would you be comfortable doing the same thing? 
what's he supposed to say? No, I'm not comfortable doing yeah. that. Like, dude, like he he played it perfectly, and and it's one of those things where, um, it was it was a leading question. It's a to me, it's a, an absolute non-story, and it's like like a media member as as they're one to do, and I I can't put them in their own category because we're there at games too. Like I, I we're technically part of the media. But you came there looking for your clickbait headline, your retweet, whatever it was. You got it. Congratulations. People are talking about it. You see, I mean, no matter what Karan Higdon said, no matter how the question was asked, the headlines everywhere are Karan Higdon guaranteeing a victory over Ohio State. Like, congratulations. You you did what you uh, set out to do. Now, there was a guy, um, Tim May from the Columbus, Columbus Dispatch, uh, I believe was there on Monday. Uh, we were not there, uh, but he was also there for that Harbaugh guarantee way back in the eighties and said like, this was a, this is a non-story Harbaugh's was unprovoked, yada, yada, yada all that. Um, I don't have an issue with it at all. It's a, to me, like it's absolutely to me completely overblown. I don't really, th- anyone who's using it um, as a big talking point. I mean, I get, we're talking about it in the podcast, but like, I'm sure there are podcasts and sports radio guys down in Columbus going, Oh, the disrespect. He's guaranteeing a win. And that's just so, it's just so goddamn lazy um, to do that. It's it's lazy radio. It's lazy podcasting. Um, I don't have an issue with what Higdon said. Uh, It was basically along the lines of, yeah, I'd be comfortable doing that. I'm a captain. Uh, I have faith in my guys. I love my guys. Uh, this is our biggest game of the year. That's ba- like I'm paraphrasing. That's basically what he said. Um, I don't have an issue with it. And to me, you know, if we're if you really want to go into it and say, oh, well, who's uh, who does this fire up more? I think it's out there now. Like, yeah, the headlines out there, and people are. It, I don't think it provides Michigan any more motivation that they ever had. I mean, we're talking about a team that kept all the receipts from last year, used it on this quote unquote revenge tour. It's been rolling along. Like there's so many other things that are out there to fire them up. Uh, the thing of it is, uh, I think once, once it's out there, once you put it out there, I think it does give them an advantage because there's no need to be shy about it. I mean, people will argue that it, it's going to motivate Ohio state, but to me, if you want to talk about who motivates more, it motivates Michigan because now you have to go up and live, live up to it and fire yourself back up. Not that they weren't fired up at all. Um, if he believes they're going to win, what difference does it make if it's out there or not? Like, of course, all these guys believe they're going to win this game. Uh, it's going to drive fans nuts. Uh, you know, like I said, the the chicken little fans, so to speak, who the same, the superstitious, you know, the people who, when Devin Bush was caught scraping his cleats across the Spartan logo going, oh, no, you, you're going to fire up Michigan State. You, you can't, you can't do, oh, this is bad. This is bad karma for us. Shut up. Like, stop. Relax. Like, if you have faith in your team, so what? It's going to drive you nuts. It is what it is. Uh, Michigan's favored in this game. Even though they've lost 13 to the last 14, I put the past is the past. I don't look into that. I don't think these players are looking at that at it that way. Um, you know, there are guys that are on this team right now that, you know, in the last two years and, and to a certain extent in that first year uh, under Harbaugh, where that game got away from them, they, it was right there for the taking. They know that, um, you know, the thought of 
for the fans, the thought of the embarrassment, the disappointment, the heartbreak of, of losing another one of these games to Ohio State is terrible. I get it. Like we feel that too, and, and we'll we'll hit on that. Mm-hmm. But people in Columbus are not feeling all that comfortable the, about this game either, and they're not saying, "Oh well, Kron Higdon's guaranteeing victories." Chase Winovich revenge tour. Like I think our I think our boys can pull it together. Um, Michigan fans, this is my message to you on that for the anxious ones. Cause I know some of you out there are anxious. You're worried. Um, to me, I feel a lot like I did going to that Michigan state game. I just want the clock to hit zero. So I know what's coming next. Like I, I'm not looking forward to that game kicking off. I'm looking forward to this game being over. Mm-hmm. So fans, you're, you're going to feel anxious all week, but that anxiety probably peaks with your initial reaction to seeing the the headline of Karan Higdon guarantees win over Ohio State. As the week goes on, kickoff is going to get closer. People are going to talk themselves into this win and kind of be back on board and be fired up about it. And that's what makes these rivalry games so so damn stressful. The buildup and all of it, the talk, the hype, the, the storylines is unbearable. Just get me to Saturday and get me just get me over with Saturday. Like, let's, let's talk about, I just want to know, like the, the waiting, like Tom Petty said is the hardest part. Yeah. Chris, any thoughts on the old, uh, Look, quote I, unquote, guarantee? I have a lot of experience with guarantees to me, the, the ultimate guarantee in my lifetime, like the definition of what an actual guarantee is, was Rashid Wallace, 2004, Eastern Conference Finals game two, when he just walked walked into the locker room and just started saying, put on the front page, middle page, back page, we're going to win game two. Unprovoked, right? This this is not a guarantee. It, it, it is, it, like you said, he was baited into the question. And what I find weird, and I think, look, I, I think there's even a lot of Ohio State fans who are acknowledging that too. Like, at the, we've we've heard this so many times. What are they supposed to say? You know, it, it, it's similar to me when uh, Plaxico Burris like predicted that the Giants were going to beat the Patriots, and people were like, "Oh, how, how disrespectful of them!" First of all, how does guaranteeing a win? Uh, how is that a sign of disrespect? I don't understand that. One team has to win, one team has to lose. The team you play for, the team you trust in, that's the team you think is gonna win. He's not paid to be an analyst. Like, like who gives a shit what he says? He didn't he didn't say anything insulting about anybody personally. It is. It, it it's it, it it's a non-story to me. So uh and I think even Higdon and some of the guys on the team are having fun with it. Harbaugh's trying to Harbaugh has been baited with this question. He's been baited with this question since his opening press conference before he even coached a game. I remember when he got hired, they asked him that exact same thing. They said, you're famous for uh, your guarantee back uh, in 86 against Ohio state. Do you have any guarantees to make against uh, Michigan state or Ohio state right now? And he was like, no, they're great programs. I'm not going to say that stuff anymore. And people are still trying to run with it. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. The media is going to continually try to poke for a story, and it's it's whatever. But yeah, I'm I'm with Ant. I just I'm. It's only Tuesday, and the fact that it's Thanksgiving, maybe I'll I'll be able to, you know, uh, it won't be as uh much of a dreadfully long wait. But um, I'm just I'm ready for this thing to kick off. I'm ready to get going. Ready to play. 
so we talked about this. Say, uh, what, oh, you have something to go ahead, Anthony. Of the okay, this is from uh, Perfect. Wolverine's Wires. Uh, Isaiah Hole. This is from his YouTube account. So I'll play the audio of the quote-unquote guarantee. Your, your coach guaranteed a win in this game as a player, I'm wondering if you would go that far to guarantee a win, and if you did, uh, what would uh, coach say or do if I guarantee that win? First of all, would you go as far as Jim Harbaugh did and guarantee that Michigan will beat Ohio State? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. That's that's how I feel. I, I I believe firmly on my brothers and this team and this coaching staff. Um, and as a captain, I'll take that stand. Why not? <laughs> what cracks me up about what cracks me up about that clip is right as that's... it comes out of his mouth, you hear the you hear the yeah on the keyboard. People go, oh, I gotta get that to the Twitter. Account. Yeah. Oh, retweet, retweets. That's such a lame duck question, man. Yeah, that really uh, is. I, such I'm a not. Lame duck I don't want to like. I'm not going to turn this into like bat media bash hour. But guys, I know, I, like, I know. But... I get it. Like, I feel like this isn't a, a specific. This is more in broader terms of sports media, not a shot at at the question or anything like that. It was. It's like I feel like a lot of these reporters. Like, you know, when, when you get a soundbite like that and it's played everywhere, because this is, I mean, it's being played on the radio, it's been on the news. I don't know if it's been on ESPN or anything like that, um, but you hear that and you kind of puff your chest out. And you're like, well, twas I who asked the question that provoked such the answer. It's like, so what? Like, it's the people, um, you know, it's just people that do stuff like uh, again and this isn't a shot at the this particular reporter or this particular instance there's this culture of just wanting the attention and wanting the praise but like think about it i mean someone out there chris i'll use a baseball example someone out there on twitter all of these years ago felt awesome because they broke the prince fielder to the tigers news could you even tell me who that person was today who broke that story first? I mean, next week, are you going to, Nope. We're going to, maybe this soundbite is something that gets played the next, you know, and recaps of the game. I mean, we, I, I know who asked the question cause we're there every week, but like the average person isn't even going to know who it was. Like, it doesn't matter. Like I, I don't, I just feel like sometimes people go in, you go like people go to these press conferences looking for an angle to like, all right, I'm going to ask about this today because this is what I'm going to write about. It's like, I, I just, I, I just feel like it's corny, man. That's all. And I, I, I kind of started, it starts and ends there for me. <laughs> the only way it could have been worse is if he followed up <laughs> with uh talk about the guarantee, God. but, uh, <laughs> So we talked a little bit about this on last week's show. Anthony, you brought this up. This game, th- this is a, a de facto Big Ten East championship. It's true. Winner goes to Indianapolis, you know. But it, it feels like it has far more ramifications than just that. Colin Coward, he came out said he had two different sources tell him Urban Meyer's done after the year. He's retiring from football. We don't know if that's true. But with everything that's happened this year with that program, with with Urban Meyer, with Zach Smith just coming completely off the the fucking rails um, and and just 
Urban Meyer's body language on the sideline. Like if Michigan goes out there and dominates this game, I wouldn't be surprised to see him pull like a Florida move. And then what that does for recruiting, we don't know. Like this has a chance to snowball into what you said last week, Anthony, that it could turn the tide of the future of the um, Big Ten. I can't remember like if we hit on this specific point that I'm about to make, like when we did the radio thing earlier this week. But when you see Urban Meyer on the sidelines right now, like he looks – I mean, I know people make kind of poke fun at the, oh, retiring for health issues and all that stuff, like from a couple of years ago. He literally does not look well right now. No. Every, everything that goes wrong, every, like, it seems like he's just fighting to, to stay alive with like every play that they, that, that's out there. And some of those reaction shots from, from Saturday are like, I get it, you know. Urban, you know, people love to see the downfall of Urban Meyer. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm not rooting for that. Like, absolutely I am. But, like, on a human level, I'm concerned about that guy because he looks like he could have an aneurysm on the sidelines. Like, for for people who have dogged Harbaugh over the years of saying, like, this guy's going to have a stroke down there. Like, I'm legitimately worried that, like, there is actually something wrong with Urban Meyer. And, like, I do feel like, the stress of this year, the off the field stuff, the Zach Smith stuff um, in the grand scheme of things, like it's not like some giant NCA scandal. Like he, he had hired a dude that was the grandson of Earl Bruce that just got way too many chances to be a shitbag because he was the grandson of Earl Bruce. And, and it, to me, I mean, it kind of, I, I, I don't, I want to stay away from the domestic violence stuff. I mean, I, I don't think that what's going on there means that he's an enabler of domestic violence or anything like that. I just feel like he's a dude that just looked the other way because it was a grandson of one of his mentors, which sucks. And it's sad, but I see that stress really truly taking a toll on that guy. And, you know, would I be surprised if he walked away after this season, no matter what happens to Ohio state? No, I wouldn't be. Um, and that's why I feel like, and we talked about this a little bit, I feel like this is that this could be a paradigm shifting narrative changing passing of the baton in the big 10 akin to what we saw when Alabama took the sec from Florida, uh, towards the end of the urban Meyer era there. Um, that's not to say that Michigan's going to go out and win, you know, five of the next eight national titles or whatever the number is, but you know, couple more recruiting battles here and there, a uh, perception thing, uh, you know, being in the driver's seat thing, being the class of the big 10. I mean, they've killed so many narratives this year. And, and I'm going to kind of go back to a point that Chris made earlier about he's glad that Ohio state won it because you have to go out and earn your trip to Indy. Now, now it's like, like I said, you could have checked off that box where, Oh yeah, we're going to Indy cause they lost to Maryland. Um, you know, they could lose to Ohio state. Like if you, if that happened and they still lost to Ohio state, like I don't want to say it's a failure of a season because you still have the big 10 and it'd be okay, I guess. But like, it would be a giant letdown and a giant disappointment. So like the fact that it's all on the line as it should be, mind you, I mean, these are, these are the games that Jim Harbaugh was hired to play in at Michigan and win at Michigan. Hasn't won a game of this magnitude yet. But damn it, like this is, I've always felt that 
uh, you could go back and look at articles from last year and all of that. Year four was always going to be the year for Jim Harbaugh where you found out what this program was going to be under him and what, I don't want to say maybe what their ceiling was, but this is, this year is, is what they're setting the ceiling right now um, in terms of big 10 playoff contender, all that. Like once it gets to the playoff, it's a crapshoot from there. So I can never truly call them right now with the Alabamas, of the world and stuff like a national title contender, but to be in the conversation, to win the big 10 and get there, you have a chance to do that. And you have a chance to set that bar and, you know, really, like I said before, the biggest thing of all is maybe taking it to Ohio state in their home building and sending that entire athletics department into a, a frenzy. Like think of, Remember when SpongeBob like was like his all the SpongeBob's like in his brain were like shredding the old files and setting shit on fire and running around like with chickens with their heads cut off. Yeah, that I see that happening if Michigan puts it to Ohio State this weekend at Ohio State. I. What about you, Chris? Let's say, you know, God forbid, Michigan were to lose this game. And then next year, uh, they uh, and the next year they they beat Ohio State. Urban Meyer was gone. They won the Big Ten. You know that would feel really good, right? It'd be great. Michigan would win their their uh, Big Ten title under Harbaugh, but it wouldn't feel as good as this one would. There's th- this has been this season has been a a perfect storm of events that has led to this. You look at this Michigan team and this is uh, unlike the 2016 team, which I think clearly they didn't have uh, the quarterback play and uh, there was, you know, that they had an edge, but maybe not quite the edge. We thought they did uh, as was shown in three of their last four games. I know that this Michigan team is good enough. I think they're not just good. I think they are good enough to win this game by two touchdowns. I don't think they will, but I know they they are. I think you look at all the preseason events with Ohio State, knowing that potentially Urban Meyer um, could be gone after this season, potentially. It is a, a, a such a perfect storm of events, and this season which has been, since the Notre Dame game, a perfect season, not just in record. They have done everything right for 10 straight weeks. It's all in place for it to have this kind of storybook Michigan conclusion that people will write books about, about the the year that the program was brought back, when preseason people were doubting Harbaugh, and then all of a sudden they they erupted with this unbelievable team that had this unbelievable swagger. They have the ability to not, not quite finish it off. They still have to win another game, but come close to finishing a job that a lot of people thought they wouldn't be able to finish coming into the season. And it makes this game, as a fan, it makes you want it that much more. This one would, I've said it for weeks, this team feels different. Indiana game kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but there's something about this team that feels different. And this moment 
they're at a crossroads right now. Whatever happens with Urban Meyer will happen, but knowing that they were able to get one off of them, knowing that they were able to to finish the job, to beat Ohio State and Columbus, would make this uh, easily the best season that Michigan's had since the national championship team of 97. You could make, I mean, in today's day and age with 14 playoff, you could potentially make the argument they're better. I won't go into that yet. They still have to win two more games, but it, this is the most important game of the Harbaugh era by far. I would say if you ask Harbaugh seriously, deep down, is this game more important to you personally, than the Super Bowl was. It'd be close. The only re- the only yeah. reason, and this just occurred to me, the only reason he might say the Super Bowl would be because he was coaching against his brother, which is a one in a is something that is a one in a bajillion chance of happening. Besides that, he would say absolutely yes. Hell yeah. I totally agree with that. Like, this is, like, I feel like you get to a Super Bowl in the NFL and people respect you forever, whether you win or lose it. Like, if you lose this game on Saturday, people will not respect you in a game against Ohio State. Or, you know, they'll say that you're fraudulent. Because, I mean, can we just call it what it is? Like, this is a much better football team than this Ohio State team is. I mean, I, I feel like, and I think that Luke, again, this might, I'm starting to kind of deja vu of our conversation the other day. I feel like the roles are kind of reversed this year in terms of, you know, I think some people wouldn't have been surprised to see Michigan to come in this game 10 and one, but still kind of have it kind of be smoke and mirrors to a certain extent to where you look at it and you're like, wow, okay, there have been some rough patches here, but you're nine and one. Your season, like, it's all still right ahead of you. Just hope you play your best game against Ohio State. That's been what Ohio State is. Michigan has been good and getting better every week, except for really last week. But again, they they hadn't faced a bit of adversity until, you know, in that Indiana game since Michigan State. Like, it had been three three or so games since they really had a challenge. So, um, you know, every team has a couple of games where you're like, eh, didn't like that game uh, throughout the course of a year, but like Michigan's a better football team and they're favored. Like the point spread opened at two and a half. I think it's up to four now. Wouldn't be surprised to see it get up to five or six. Like people expect Michigan to win this game because they're a better football team. And if you, if you don't like, you don't only have a chance to win the game, go to Indy, but just keep that, keep those playoff hopes alive, control your own destiny. You can go out there, slay the beast, slay the dragon. Mm-hmm. That's that's all right there for them. Like it's their the leaders and best is in the fight song. Their chance to get back to that song that that they sing that that we sing every time they score a touchdown. Their chance to get to that and fully realize that is completely dependent on what they do Saturday. Like, I think there's some parallels to be drawn here of of someone else that kind of kicked Urban Meyer. I mean, you go back. Jim Harbaugh is never going to build at Michigan what Nick Saban has built at Alabama. So I'm going to get that out of the way before anyone tries to criticize me with the comparison I'm about to make. But Alabama lost 31-20 to 20 
to Urban Meyer's Florida in the SEC championship game back in 2008. The next year, Florida went in at number one, Tim Tebow, his senior year. He's still a quarterback. Alabama at number two. They put a beating on Florida in the SEC title game, 32-13. to 13. Uh, Meyer, you know, obviously left Florida shortly after that, and then it, it, it's been Alabama's conference ever since, Alabama's with the exception conference. of LSU for a couple of years. I think, yeah, right. Well, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't think Michigan's ever going to be that. But I think to the point, if Michigan goes out there and beats Ohio State like Saban's Bama team did back in the 2009 SEC championship game, I think the Big Ten could be Michigan's, you know, for years to come, with the exception of a couple of years. But Michigan's going to be the favorite from here on out. If, if this causes Urban Meyer to leave, they hire a, a guy who's not Urban Meyer to take over that program. I think Michigan's got a, got a real chance to really take control of this conference. Kind of like Bama did yeah, in the and, SEC and in 2009. To, I like that comparison. It stops there. Cause I, Bama has gone on to be honestly, I mean, to win at the level they have in this era of college football, they are the greatest like college football dynasty ever. ever. Like I don't need to hear about those teams that played when there was leather helmets or before schools, you know, before, kids of all races were able to play on the same team. Like, I don't need to hear about any of those teams. Like this is the greatest. I mean, I'll say it. I mean, it's Bama and the Patriots are the two greatest, like football dynasties in the history of the sport. So I, I'm not really going to go like that expectation of being Bama. Some people may have it. It's not for me, any of us here just kind of push that away, but you know what? Go be Clemson. Like Clemson is, is there every year. They win the ACC almost every year in the playoff more often than not. You get there, win a national title once, maybe every couple years, get there, you know, another time. Like, that's fair. I mean, nobody, the ACC is not good. Clemson doesn't have to apologize for that. I mean, people say, well, Michigan's winning in a Big Ten that's not very good. Yeah, they're kicking the hell out of everyone in this Big Ten. Like, they deserve credit for that. And, it would be so disappointing to just not like we, we are at the point where that $9 million salary for Jim Harbaugh. I don't like bagging on salary any of, or any of that, but this is why you're getting, you were paid to take Michigan to the point that they're at right now. And to the point where we think that they should be after Saturday period. And when you look at their body of work, I mean, listen, the more that I watch Notre Dame, like, yeah, like, like they're undefeated. They're going to beat USC. Like that team, they just, they're, they're a legit playoff team. And they have only gotten, they've gotten better throughout the year. Like people, when people say, oh, I think if we played Notre Dame now, uh, you know, Michigan would beat them. I'm not so sure about that. Like Notre Dame is really good. Fucking Um, good, man. I would love, like. I don't think it, it can happen uh, unless some crazy stuff occurs in the next couple of weeks. But in a year that's been defined by the revenge tour to have Michigan and Notre Dame play in a playoff game would be awesome. Yeah. For I it think to, that, yeah. For it to happen in the first round, Clemson would have to lose. Yeah. Or fall like somehow at, they'd at the very least would have to switch around the seat. Like I, I don't see it happening. Uh, Cause I think, I do think that everything is going to kind of hold serve uh, for the most part here. Michigan's the biggest question mark to me. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think Alabama will lose to Georgia or any of that, but 
Um, yeah, it's all right there. Like, just just go out and and change change all the narratives. They've changed so many this year. Um, it's lame. Like this is this stat is lame, but big, the Big Ten sent me sent us all a stat in the email over the weekend that. With Michigan's win, they had earned clinched a share of the Big Ten East. I know, share, not a big deal. Um, but it's the first time they've claimed a share of a conference, of a division, since the divisions were brought about in 2011. So, like, they're not going to – nobody can say, oh, well, <laughs> uh, Michigan uh, just third in the Big Ten every – third in the Big Ten East every year. Uh, guess what? Uh, hello. Oh, let me look. Let me peek over the edge. Look down. Oh, hello, Penn State. Hello, Michigan State. How are you doing down there? Hey, how's it going? Oh, Ohio State. Oh, you're getting kind of close, but we're, you know, we're, we're kind of trying to push you, push you a little bit down here. Oh, oh okay, okay, easy boy. Um, that's kind of where things are at right now. So, was no, that Zoolander? That not. No, that, that it was. It was a pretty good Derek whoa, whoa, Zoolander. I'm gonna be honest with you. I can't turn left. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> classic. Um, but yeah, just go, just go do it. Um, yeah. All right. Well, let's let's talk about Saturday, guys. Give I want keys to this damn game. You know, because I we've we've talked a little bit about it, but what does Michigan have to do to go out there and just win this game? Because I cannot suffer another defeat to these guys, especially in this capacity. Like my heart's gonna give out, damn it! What are the keys to the Chris, game, Anthony? I talk too much. It's your turn. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think we've talked about it a lot. Um, not stalling in the red zone. Uh, better play calling. Uh, once you get inside the twenty-five, stop uh, defensively. Um, stopping drives on third downs. Um. there's few things in a football game more demoralizing than winning the first two downs defensively and then giving up a big play on third and long happened too often against Indiana um, or it'll happen too often against Ohio state. Um, And I think the other two things would be, I'm looking at my notes here. The other two things would be special teams. Uh, We brought it up a couple weeks ago, how important the punting game has been for Michigan this year. Um, that needs to hold. And the, the thing that made the difference in this game two years ago, and even last year to a certain extent with the, you know, John O'Corn's suckitude, uh, turnovers, um, uh, Shea has been through an interception last week, which once again, all this stuff is fresh in my mind. So it scares me, but Shea has been, uh, you know the numbers might not blow people away the uh, the way that maybe some people expected him to. He's not going to throw for three thousand yards unless he does something insane. But Shea Patterson has been a rock star this year. He really has. He has done everything they've needed him to, and then some. Um, and the biggest thing is he hasn't turned the ball over. That it needs to stay that way. Play within yourself. Don't force anything. Those are going to be the difference makers. It's as much as we've seen Michigan come into this game at at uh, you know what, what was it? we've seen them come into this game at five and six. We've seen them come into this game at ten and one, at eleven and zero. Um, a lot of these themes remain the same, and uh, you brought up as well. 
winning in the trenches, which is something that this Michigan team has done masterfully all year. They got to do it at least two more times to get to the playoff, but uh, one more time would be nice as well. <laughs> well, Anthony, I think that obviously uh, we hit on it a little bit earlier when the game, in the trenches, all that stuff, like very important, get a pass rush, make Dwayne Haskins uncomfortable, mm-hmm. take away their running game. They haven't been able to run the ball this year. Now they had a little bit, a little bit of success against Michigan state, we're able to run the ball uh, against Maryland, but again, it's Maryland. Um, you know, I think J.K. Dobbins is kind of a dynamic guy. Uh, take him out of the game, make them. You know, if they're if if they're gonna try and throw the ball fifty times to win the game, let them because I think that uh, Michigan has as good a, a pass defense as, as anyone in the country. David Long, Levert Hill, Brandon Watson, those guys in the back end have been terrific. Uh, thing is though, you're facing some playmakers here that, you know, you've got like Paris Campbell, Benjamin Victor, uh, Terry McLaurin, guys that make big plays for them. You know, they like to go down the field. The big plays are a bit of a concern to me. So you got to limit those big plays. Um, the thing is, I think that really, truly as good as Michigan's defense has been, I think that your best defense against them is going to be keeping the Ohio State offense off of the field. And that's mm-hmm. with the rush, what the run game, with Karan Higdon, uh, with you know guys like True Wilson, Chris Evans. I think that uh, North Shea Patterson has been a, become a pretty big key in the run game as well uh, with the, the read option stuff. His reads, for the most part, have been terrific this year. Uh, he's missed on a few. Uh, but I think they're they're also kind of setting some stuff up there as well. So take care of the football, uh, win the battles up front, the offensive line. Um, I know those guys have been great all year, and and now Ed Warner, kind of you know it's a bit of a homecoming game for him playing a, a former employer. Uh, I think he'll have those guys ready to play. I think that really Ohio State's defensive line, uh, especially a guy like Draymond Jones, is is the type of guy that. If they can get some push, yeah, it, it offsets the problems that they have in that back seven. I think that there are some very fundamental things that Ohio State fails to do defensively, and we've seen it all year long. I mean, um, you know, you give up – just think about all the points they've given up this year. I mean, they've given up uh, obviously 50-plus to Maryland, Minnesota, Nebraska, Purdue, all – you know, three teams that are bad to okay – have been able to move the ball on Ohio state. So, I mean, I know it's the rivalry throw out everything you think, you know, about, about what these two teams are. I think Michigan just, I, I think the biggest thing for me is to start fast, take that crowd at the shoe out quickly. Cause I, I think if you're able to do that score on maybe your first drive of the game, force a three and out on defense, Settle yourselves into that game. I, I'm not. I think that when you talk about the psychological advantage, I, I think Ohio State does have it to a certain extent because I don't think they I, they don't fear Michigan. They don't. Even with all their problems this year, they're they've got guys in that team who've never lost to Michigan. Um, Urban Meyer has never lost to Michigan. So I, I think that the psychological edge to a certain extent starts with Ohio State, um, 
but Michigan, obviously, I, 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 I saw a team that looked scared at Notre Dame, but since then, really since the second half of that Northwestern game, I've seen a fearless team that's played with an edge. And I, th- I do think they will bring that edge with them to Columbus. So my keys to the game, and, and Anthony kind of stole my big one that I had. Um, it's 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 limit big plays. That's that is my one. I'm just giving you one. Keeping it simple. One key to the game is limit the big plays. I touched on it a little earlier. That is my concern for Michigan because I mean you let J.K. Dobbins find a crease and he's gonna outrun your secondary. You know you let one of these receivers get off and get a little space with no safety help, man to man across the board. They've got a chance to score on you, but. If you keep them in front of you, you're going to get chances to get off the field on third down. You're going to give yourself more opportunities to create a turnover. One play for a touchdown, you can't do anything about that. The more plays that Ohio State runs, the better chances you have at success as a defense. Limit the big plays, and I think Michigan's defense is going to be okay in this one. So let's get on into our predictions. It's time to give some scores. Chris, starting with you, my man. Score prediction oh, man. for I've Michigan gone back Ohio and State. Forth. I've gone back and forth a lot, but I've just been <laughs> when you get to this late in the season, um it, you and you kind of put things into perspective and you go through everything that's happened up to this point. Um this Michigan team has come a long, long way. I mean a long way from where they were in week one, from where they were in week five, from where they were in in week seven and eight. They are a completely different football team. It is the the last 10 weeks have been, I I can't remember the last time I had this much fun watching Michigan football. I mean, it is absolutely restored my love and admiration for, for the program. And they've come so far, and I, at some point, they got to get a hit. At some point, you know, they've come up short so many times. At some point, there's going to be some sort of balance. And I think if it doesn't happen now, if it can't happen this year, Jesus, I, I, I this is the team. And I think maybe I'm picking with my heart and not with my head. I gotta think that there's no way they come this far to come up short this time. They are better than Ohio State. And I know it's on the road. But they are better. I think they get off to a good start. I think Ohio State retakes the lead probably late in the third quarter, early in the fourth. Michigan puts together a long five, six, seven-minute touchdown drive, and the defense holds. I got 24-20 to Michigan. Anthony, what is your score prediction? I guess there's only one thing left to do. What's that? Win the whole fucking thing. Yeah, it's time. Um, yes. I said it on your show. I'm not going to back down from it. Um, 
it's amazing that we've gotten to this point where God, 11 weeks ago, 10 weeks ago, when I, we did a show, I said, I, I couldn't give Michigan the benefit of the doubt to win a big game, yeah. and especially a game like this. It's a, the strides that they've made, the, I, they just check all the boxes right now. They, they are a team that has an edge to them. They're a team that they're not winning by smoke and mirrors. They're, they're bludgeoning people. Their offensive line run blocks well. They pass block well. They don't turn over the football. They're able to run the ball to close out games. This Michigan football, this just feels different now. Like at some point, like it would be hard headed of me to double down on what I said almost three months ago. I mean, based on what we've seen, not just from Michigan, but also from Ohio State, Michigan's a better football team. Now, I think this is going to be a little bit stressful. Rivalry games are. Michigan State was stressful for, I don't know, forty almost 45 minutes of football until the, the floodgates kind of opened up. I don't think that the floodgates will exactly open up for Michigan. I do think, um, I think they will win. Uh, I have Michigan winning 26 to 20. Uh, I think it's, I think Ohio state will be able to move the ball. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see Michigan have to score that touchdown to put them ahead late. Wouldn't surprise me at all. These games are different. All the cliches apply. Um, throw the records out. It's a tough, tough, tough place to play. I mean, you, you you hear that all the time when people talk about these games on the road, but having been there and having seen it now and and being a part of that atmosphere, not necessarily a part of it, I was in the press box, but I was on the field before that 2016 game. It is the closest thing to like the scene in Gladiator that I could ever imagine. Bloodthirsty fans people that hate you, people that want nothing to but embarrass you. It's an ugly place to go. But with, I think this team is mentally tough enough. I think that it has a confidence about itself. And I think that Ohio State is very close to breaking. And a, a lot of, like, they haven't broken yet. It's In a way, it's kind of like how a lot of Michigan's games have gone this year uh, in terms of their season. The, the comparison I make here is that it's a lot of Michigan games, you know, teams played it close, teams played it close, you know, things aren't totally over yet or anything like that. And then the bottom falls out. I think there's a chance the bottom could fall out on Saturday for Ohio state. I think that's a team that they've got some real problems and the problems that they have, you don't fix in a week. We've seen crazy things happen before, but with everything that's going on down there, Everything that's on the line, everything I've seen. I mean, I think that Chase Winovich will wind up being out there in some capacity on Saturday. I think he'll at the very. I think he's going to dress at the very least. But I do think Michigan will win this game, and I think that uh, they will be playing in Indy uh, next weekend. So what it comes down to for me is that you go back to that Penn State Ohio State game. Penn State, for a majority of that game, pushed around Ohio State. What I saw in the Penn State-Michigan game was a physically dominant Michigan team. 
physically in all aspects, all three phases of the football, physically dominant. I think Michigan has a chance to push around Ohio State on Saturday. I really do. I don't think it's going to be as, as bad as the Penn State game. Yeah, 42 to 7. I don't envision that. But I think Michigan has a chance to physically assert themselves and really push around Ohio State. But as for my prediction, I think that Ohio State scores with 90, 90 seconds left in the ballgame, somewhere around there. And I don't think Michigan scores again after that because I think they were already up 27 to 14 at that point. I've got 27, 21 Michigan. Yeah. Um, Could you have imagined God, even just like five or six weeks ago, the three of us sitting here and being unanimous and being, you know, somewhat, I mean, guys, we were, we were pretty confident for the Notre Dame game. I'm not sure I like this. I'll be honest with you. This is what kind of, I don't know if it worries me or how I really feel about it, but I can't think of a football reason, like of logical football reasons on why Michigan will lose this game. The, the the things that scare me the most are the psychological standpoint, the, you know, I feel like even in the games like Wisconsin, the Wisconsin game, the Michigan State game, I feel like I came out of here was kind of like to a certain extent waiting for the other, other shoe to drop. We're like, man, these are good teams. Like, we're going to find out what Michigan is, what they're made of. Based on what, like, I feel, I have that same feeling, but like, I, like that's the devil on my shoulder. The angel on my shoulder is like, but you've seen what they've done all the other times you felt that way this year. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't feel that way going into the Notre Dame game. I thought that Michigan would win. Obviously they didn't win, but you know, those fear, like this feels very similar because it feels similar to the way I felt when I haven't been comfortable with the game since Notre Dame. I'm oddly at ease about this. I really am. Like I, I feel pretty confident in, in what's going on here. So I, I think the ingredients are there. I think that uh, I think it. Could, I think it's going to be a banger this weekend, fellas. I really do. I think it's going to be fun. Uh, I'm excited. I know that much. I'm anxious. I'm nervous. I'm excited. I'm all the. Uh, above. All right. So we've, this has been a damn good discussion here on this podcast. I know that, uh, final thoughts from you guys. Cause I do have a final thought before we get into the watch party stuff and everything like that, but any final thoughts on this game that you didn't get a chance to mention? Uh, I'll say two quick things. Um, one is, uh, and I don't even think I've told you guys this, uh, Sadly, I won't be able to attend the watch party on Saturday. Um, give anything to be there, but uh, it's not in the cards as far as my work schedule goes. Um, you secondly, won't be able to watch though, the game, though, right? Yes, yes. Um, okay, cool. I just wouldn't be able to travel back. And uh, I, no, that's hey, anytime. listen, that's and you know what? I feel like I kind of feel like, and you could tell me if I'm wrong here. I feel like you wouldn't really be comfortable with this game in that type of environment. You're, like, you're, <laughs> I mean, okay. I, I can't go. And I, I look, I would, if I could, but you are very right in that aspect. Like, uh, I, I am. And it's not like I fear, like I would embarrass myself or anything. I'm just, 
I'm so anxious about this stuff uh, that, yeah, that this is one of those games where I, I, I need to kind of center myself beforehand. But with that said, um, and this is more a, a bit of a PSA, I guess. Uh, it's look it, it, for everyone, not just watching the game on TV or whether you're going to be there, or, you know, afterwards if you're. It, uh, tweeting about it, it, just be careful, right? Every year there's some, and there, it, what I say won't won't make a difference. But every year there's somebody who sends a tweet that goes too far or says something that's you know too profane. Um, I'm not one of those people who believes uh, this is just a game, but I am somebody who. Uh, it is smart enough I, I, to have at least some some sort of filter, and so just it's just the be, old Herm Edwards thing, like don't press send. Exactly, yeah. It just it, this goes to Michigan fans and everyone, win or lose, enjoy what happens, celebrate the game if it's a Michigan win. If not, just do it all. To, if not, do then you're used to it. What's that? <laughs> That if if they don't win, then guess what? <laughs> You're kind of used to that. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So that's that's my my little PSA for everybody else. So Anthony, I know you want to get into the uh, the watch party stuff, the the where's, the what's, the when's. Uh, one thing I want to leave everyone listening to this podcast with: if you're still with us, they are, they are. They approaching are. two hours. If you are, God bless you. Um, <laughs> so. Bill Conley's S&P Plus rankings. Um, I tweeted this out earlier today. This is something of note. So everyone kind of thinks, you know, maybe outside of Michigan fans, the, the general population thinks Alabama would absolutely beat the doors off of Michigan. You know, that that's kind of the general consensus. Yeah. I, I think that's fair to say. Um, in the S&P Plus rankings, Alabama's S&P Plus rating is 30.3. Michigan's is 25.1. That is a difference of 5.2. Ohio State's is 17.9, the difference of 7.2. Michigan and Alabama are closer in S&P Plus rating than are Michigan and Ohio State. And if you think Alabama would beat the doors off of Michigan, do with that what you want with that info. That Michigan and Alabama, according to S&P Plus, closer than Michigan and Ohio State. That's what I want to leave it at. Anthony, what's right, watch the watch party. party? What do we got, my man? Teased at the beginning of the show. Uh, probably forgotten the almost two hours since then. <laughs> but watch party. Listen, it's going to like when I say party, I mean like it's going to be a party. Get out to the Cirque Bar. A Cirque Bar is at 210. That's 210 South First Street, downtown Ann Arbor. It's kind of like right on the edge of downtown Ann Arbor. It's it's a great place. Uh I know some of you have been to the circus bar. Uh, that's what it used to be. Circus theme is gone. They've gutted it. They've renovated it. They've uh, new drinks. They've got a kitchen now. Looks amazing. I stopped by for uh, a cold beverage on my way back to the car uh, from the Indiana game. It's going to be fun. Uh, we're going to do do everything we can. Uh, for, we got a pregame show, uh, live podcast starting at 10 a.m. Probably go about a half hour or so. Won't be as long as this. I guarantee that. Um, but we'll have prizes. 
U of M trivia, or I'll hand out some some T-shirts uh, to the winners. Uh, like I said, the pregame show, maybe some live analysis in the game. Definitely, maybe a little cute, a uh, little little roundtable thing uh, at halftime. Miller lights, Miller Light pitcher specials until 4 p.m. Uh, other drink specials, happy hour until 6 p.m. 20% off most of the items there, including draft beers, uh, food specials. We'll be selling the Maize and Brew t-shirts there. Uh, a lot of fun stuff going on. You know, I know that uh, a lot of people won't be able to make it for, for certain things uh, with the staff, but we'll have a uh, nice little representation of us there. It's going to be you know fun to, to, you know, if you're going to be in downtown and if you want to watch the game in Ann Arbor, and be a part of potentially a party in the streets uh, or a, a devastating loss that ends, you know, with you crying into your beer, do it with us, do it at this watch party. It's going to be a good time. Um, those are the details of it. So the Cirque bar downtown Ann Arbor, I have this, if you forget, this is posted uh, on the front page of the website, 210 South first street. Um, in downtown Ann Arbor for the Cirque Bar. So hope you guys will come out and join us. Um, you know, we'll do a little little powwow before the game, take stock of how everyone's feeling, and we'll go from there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun time, and hopefully you guys can, can join us out there. All righty. What a great show here today, fellas. I uh, do want to remind you, if you're, you want to spread the word about this podcast, if you enjoyed it, uh, we're available on many different platforms now on Spotify, as well as SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean. Like I said, Spotify, you can find us under Maze and Brew Bod- Podcasts. Excuse me. Subscribe, rate, spread the word. Please do let everyone know if they're Michigan fans. I hope they'll love the show. I hope you love the show as well. Uh, for my partners, Chris Castellani. Chris, uh, where can, can we find, find you on social media, buddy? That's at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. I'm on Instagram as well. That's Chris Castle 95 C-H-R-I-S-C-A-S-T-L-E-95. Just because I... Uh, laid out that little message does not mean that I won't be tweeting uh, during the game on Saturday. So I definitely will. And uh, hope to interact with some of you as well. And Chris, you oh, also yeah, got a right. YouTube page, right? <laughs> I forget. I, I forget about it. Cause it's so it's not uh, always sports based, but uh, yeah, the Castellani uh, losers club, I believe if you go youtube.com slash CLC, I believe that'll come up. Uh, it's random assortment of miscellaneous videos, a lot of movie reviews as of recently. So uh, check me out there as well. My man, Anthony Broom, where can we get you on, well, on the social first medias? Of all, uh, I'm a company man, so you can find Maze and Brew on Twitter uh, at Maze and Brew. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. That's Broom with an E on the end of it. Uh, make sure you get that T in there too, because I've. Little side rant here, real quick. Uh, someone, an egg account, well, they're not egg accounts anymore, has the handle at Anthony Broom, and it hasn't ever tweeted, but they're like thir- it has like 13 followers, and a few of those people are Michigan fans thinking, just waiting <laughs> for me to tweet. It's not me. Twitter, please give me that account. But that's where you can find me, at Anthony T. Broom. Uh, check out the website, all the stuff. Um, We'll kind of have boots. We'll have boots on the ground in both locations. Um, obviously, doing the pregame show on Saturday from Ann Arbor. Uh, we'll be at the. I'll be at the watch party. 
Trevor Woods will have our coverage on site at the shoe. Uh, God bless him. He's a brave soul. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be a fun weekend. Hopefully, hopefully, I mean, the lead up is fun. The game I'm sure will be fun. It's up to them to decide what kind of, like they're about to set the tone for our next, like five or six podcasts, honestly. So may as well just make it be positive. Alrighty, so you can follow the Brewcast Show on Twitter at Brewcast Show. Make sure you do that. We always like to have a little fun. You can follow me, Luke Giardi, on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. The last time this game had this big of implications back in 2016, I had a complete meltdown on Twitter, so that I hope that doesn't happen again. But if you want to follow along just to uh, have a little shot in Freud action going on and hoping that I do, you can go ahead and do that. Follow me on twitter so ohio state week this has been a fun fun episode appreciate you staying with us uh here Happy this whole thing as well we've what's that mention oh my god yes um yeah God, it's like, well, I, I, I don't know if it's going to be a happy Thanksgiving yet, Chris, because if Michigan wins, well, I'll have something to enjoy, be thankful enjoy for. Enjoy your you know? Thursday, first and foremost. Like, take your, you got to take these things yeah. one day at a time. Um, real quick, uh, rapid fire. Favorite Thanksgiving side dish, Luke? Ooh. Spinach casserole. Chris. Mashed potatoes. Simple. I like it. I'm a sweet potato casserole type of guy. I dig it. Uh, can't go wrong, though. It's one of the... Thanksgiving is great because everything except for the turkey is amazing. The turkey is like, ah, all right. But yeah, best side, best side. Yeah, let's be honest. The, you're not, no you're one's right. there for the, the turkey, man. It's holiday of the year. So, um, and it kicks off the most wonderful time of the year. So, um, yeah, thankful for you guys that listen. I would be really thankful if people like spread the word and followed our account a little bit more. Uh, but we got to tweet a little bit more from it to, to do our part as well. Um, thankful Fair. for you guys joining me on the show. Thankful for all of our readers. Uh, thankful for uh, Michigan football for really making this a fun 12 weeks of podcasts to do. I mean, I can't imagine us sitting here with them at eight and four or eight and three or, or seven and four or something coming to this game and, and really talking and being excited about it. Like this is, this is what it's all about. So I'm thankful for that. Chris would probably have a few more yeah, rants. Uh, let's be honest. Chris would like, God, I, I would like to Dr. Strange this thing and like look at all the possible outcomes. Um, I'll say there will <laughs> Marvel reference. Drake Marvel reference. We did it. A video. I can't say it'll be a rant, but there will definitely be a video following um, the game on Saturday. Well, Hopefully we'll have something to be thankful for. Hopefully next week is going to be a very fun episode. It, it, it might. I, I'm hoping it's not a somber episode, but um, let's hope it's a fun one next week. For my partners, Chris Castellani, for Anthony Broom, I'm Luke Giardi. Thank you for listening to Brewcast. We'll be back next week. Have a good day.